Super. Thank you. God, these are exciting times in Down Patrick, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, very few people really get the opportunity to move from one building into a new building. And something that has so much potential means that God has got good things in store. Um, and, and so I'm excited to be here and part of it. And uh, I, I trust that you feel exactly the same way too. Um, Thomas, um, young Thomas asked me this morning, he says, uh, can you give me a title um, for your message? And basically, I, I kind of said, I'm stuck. Um, and so if there was a title that I had for it, it's stuck. It's stuck. Um, I think every single one of us have been or have experienced times in their life when they got stuck. And you just didn't understand or see what the way forward was. Have you ever been in that situation where you were stuck? Yeah, if you have, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, most of us have. If you haven't, it's coming soon. Okay. I want to read um, from John chapter 5. And this was a guy who was stuck. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well at whatever disease, of whatever disease they had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool um, when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. On the 5th of February 2004, I'm sure many of you casting your mind back will maybe at least have some distant thought of something that happened. And that was, and I remember it very well, because Morgan was the first holiday that I went on with my parents uh, over to Morgan. How exciting is that now? Yeah. Uh, but on the strands right out in Morecambe Bay, there were some 30-odd Chinese illegal immigrants, and they were picking cockles. And they were totally unaware that there was a tide that was rushing in. And when they tried to outrun it, they realized they were stuck. And all but one perished. All but one died. Let me ask you a question again. Because sometimes you can be stuck and not even know it. Sometimes there are issues that have caused you to be in that position. 
I have no doubt that many of those that sort of lost their lives that day had dreams, plans that they had desired for. They are no less God's children than you or I this morning. They had hopes, they had wishes, they had ambitions. Perhaps that's why they found themselves in a country that was not a third world country or not a country that they were impoverished in, but a place where they could be free. And they discovered that they weren't. So as I ask you this morning, have you ever been stuck? What causes you to be stuck? There's a number of things that can cause you to be stuck. Fear. Fear can cause you to be stuck. I think perhaps fear is one of the, the biggest things that, you know, where you, you, you get into a situation and, and you're frightened that if you, if you don't, as it were, move, that the circumstances are going to overtake you. There's also another thing that comes to you and you say, well, if I do move, maybe I'm going to move in the wrong direction. Maybe I'll do something and it's out of turn. And, and so fear can do that. Lack of understanding or knowledge can cause you to be stuck, not knowing what direction to take. But I think the biggest, the biggest one is our loss of identity, forgetting who we are. Literally being trapped in something that is not what God's purpose for you to be is. And, and, and so you forget who you are in Christ. Looking at this here, just a quick cursory over, over various people. Gideon was stuck. Gideon, whose name means warrior or mighty man of valor, was stuck threshing wheat in a wine press because the Midianites had spread fear right throughout the land. They lived in caves. They lived beneath their identity until someone came to Midian and the angel, a visitation, and said to him, Gideon, mighty man of valor, had he reminded him of his identity? He had to be reminded of his identity. Most of us forget our identity, who we are. We think that when we commit our lives to Christ, that, that the, the reality of it is that, that that's it, I'm sorted for heaven, and I'll just try and muster my way through here today and throughout the rest of my life, knowing that I have a guarantee of heaven. And that's not what... God. You know, let me, let me give you a startling statement. <laughs> and it's this here. God did not save you just to win the lost. So many of us think that. Now, that's my, my, my challenge is to reach the lost. Of course we have to reach the lost. But if we are living the way that Christ intended us to live, then the reality of it is that people will be attracted to us. And they'll say, I want something of what you've got. I need what you've got. And that's, that's the, the, because God has birthed us into the kingdom. And if there is a kingdom, we were reminded of it yesterday, as James said, there's a king. And, and we owe our allegiance to the king. Of, I loved the bit where the head chorister came in. Did you, anybody see it yesterday? 
this little lad, he's only about 12 year old, 11 or 12 year old, and he walks right in. He has his regalia on. It was part of the ceremony, but what an incredible part. And he comes right up to King Charles, and he says to him, I'm here to welcome you this morning in the name of the King of Kings. And, and you know, it's knowing our identity that even when you're confronted with royalty, you recognize, I have a higher royalty. I have a, a higher allegiance with regard to that. See, don't stay stuck. Gideon recognized that there was a, an incredible anointing upon him to fulfill his identity. And that changed everything. That totally it changed not only him and his family, it changed the nation as well. David was stuck, King David. 1 Samuel 30 says, Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He began at least to recognize, hey, I'm in a bad place here. I could be stuck here. I, you know, They've carried away everything. The people are planning to stone me. And do and, and you know what he did? He, he literally inquired of the Lord. This is, this is a, you know, you ever get into a situation where you feel that you're stuck in a situation that's beyond you? You don't have an answer to it. I can, I can remember when our girls were, were really young and they're doing their homeworks. Now, there was a time where their homeworks got beyond me. But when they were at primary school, it usually wasn't. And you would see them suck on the end of their pencil. And you watch them for long enough and say, what's wrong? I'm stuck. What are you stuck at? And then they would, did that ever happen to any parents yet? You know, I mean, it, it comes with it. But you do get stuck. David recognized he was stuck. And he recognized it was beyond him. He recognized, I don't have an answer to this. So what he did was he inquired of the Lord. And I love this passage of scripture. It came to me during the week. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. And if there's a word that I want to speak into this congregation this morning, this group of people this morning, it's this here. Let the devil off with nothing. Never concede ground. I love the fact that this is, this is a, a fantastic building, but I love even more the fact that you were not content in it. You knew that there was something more. And you, you literally inquired of the Lord and God opened doors. You see, God will always do what, you know, he will always do what he can do but he will never do what you can do. He will take, out of the 10 steps, God will take nine steps toward you. But he won't take the 10th. 
because there's something that only we can do. So we've all been stuck. And we've read that passage in John 5 about this man and the sick man. And, and Jesus, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And what a question. What a question. If God asks you something that seems obvious, I listen to this. Take it in. Don't miss this. You miss the rest of it. Don't miss. If God asks something that seems obvious, it's because something that's not obvious is going on. If God asks something that seems absolutely, do you want to get well? It's because something that's not obvious is going on. When God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was. He wanted to know if Adam knew where he was. So it's not that he doesn't know the answer. He wants to know if you know the answer. If you know the answer. So here's the answer. I think when Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? He's trying to find out a number of things. And strange as it may seem, he's wanting to find out how much damage Bethesda has done to this man. Bethesda means a house of mercy. It has, it talks about having five colonnades. Now, colonnades are like pillars that come, come up and go across. And basically the, the purpose to them is to provide some degree of shade. The colonnades cast a, or pillars cast a shadow and so that the people that are there don't get scorched with the sun. They can literally creep forward even as the sun moves in the heavens or as the earth moves in heaven. That, that there is always a place where they can go and be in the shadow. So, Bethesda is, equi is equipped to make you feel comfortable. To make you feel comfortable in your position of stuck. There's always going to be things like that. There's going to be the lesser option that will make you feel a little bit better, but it won't resolve your problem. And that's what this so-called house of mercy, and I challenge it as a house of mercy because I think it's a house of disappointment. It's a house of discouragement. It's a house of leading you down a path that literally, it, it, it's, it's a place of over-promising and under-delivering. It over-promises stuff so that people are gathered there in the hope that when this water is troubled and it only happens at a certain time, there are some statements that, that are made, some, some passages that state it only happens once a year. Now, it doesn't happen the way that the coronation happened. In other words, 
that it's been set aside. Everybody know that it's coming. You know the date. You even know the time that the crown is going to be placed on the head of the sovereign. But the reality of it is with this, it doesn't give any details. It just says it comes at a certain time. That means that you could be there. And it, it also states that it only happens once a year. Can you imagine that you're waiting in the hope of deliverance and it comes and then you hear a big cheer and you know that somebody's got touched. But the cheer announces that it was someone else, it wasn't you. And you're stuck, perhaps, for another year. And so Jesus comes to him, and he wants to know how much damage has this place that you've been sitting in done to you? And so he asks him the question, do you want to be made well? And here's the answer. It's incredible, but... It is. So the sick man answered him. What's the answer to that? <laughs> Jesus comes and says, do you, do you want to be made well? Here it is, in case you haven't figured it out. Yes, please. I've been waiting here 38 years. Why did you have to ask? And here's what the guy says. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. When Jesus asks a question that seems incredibly obvious, it's because something that is not obvious is the real reason. And here, this man answers him. And the obvious question, the, 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 the answer that was not obvious was this here. He has a bone to pick with folk that deserted him in his hour of need. 38 years he's been there. I can imagine, and we've all fallen into that trap. There are people that are going through a crisis and we swarm around them, and we minister into their lives, and we, we bless them, and we pray for them. And then nothing happens. I could even imagine that this guy had somebody, maybe a, a group of close friends, and said to him, let's call him Bill, Okay. Bill, don't worry. We have discovered there's a place called Bethesda. And we're going to get you there. And, you know, we, we believe it's a house of mercy. And we've heard testimonies of folk that have been healed, delivered. And we're going to get you there. And so they took him. And, and they even camped out with him. And they were with him for days, 
And then even the days turned into weeks. And then even the weeks, they, they got a shift going, a rota going. And some were even coming after work. And then after maybe a year, they lost hope. And he was left in his own. And this guy obviously is looking and others have people around them that when the water is disturbed, they help them. But I have nobody. I have nobody. And so it wasn't the paralysis that was his big problem now. The big problem was that he had lost total confidence and even the folk around him and humanity and everything that came with that. And he was really stuck. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, the Bible doesn't fully... You know, it says that if all of the words that, that ever were wrote, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to be able to contain it. So I believe very definitely that, that Jesus prodded into his life and when he asked that question, do you want to get well? He knew by the answer that he got that there was something that this guy needed to do in order to become unstuck. I've had it happen in church life before I retired from Carrie Duff. I, I, I remember various things. The things that you think are obvious that are wrong with people that are obvious are definitely not always the things that's holding back healing, that's holding back deliverance, that's holding back all of the things that they're seeking. And Jesus identified that. Now, it just goes on to him saying, rise, take up your bed and walk. But I believe there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit that God knew, and he knew. It doesn't say it here. But he didn't ask that question. He didn't get the answer that he was expecting. Well, he, he was expecting. But he, he didn't get the answer that you would have thought when the guy didn't just simply say, yes, I do want to get well, please. What part of these legs do you not understand? Please. I desperately want to get well. I desperately. He didn't say that. He revealed, his heart revealed what his big problem was. And until you deal with the big problem, until you deal with the stuff that's deep down in here, then you stay stuck. I, I know people, I, we, we, we set up a thing called healing rooms in, in Carriedoff, and people come every Thursday night, and it's like a doctor's surgery. And you know something? People come year after year after year for the same problem. They're stuck in it. Folks, if, if you are, and, and 
what can you be stuck in? You can be stuck in health problems. You can be stuck in financial problems. You can be stuck in all sorts of emotional problems. All of those things. And God desperately wants you delivered from it because he doesn't need you to be stuck. He needs you to be fulfilling his purpose for your life at this crucial time in our world that desperately is crying out for people that have answers. Not so-called houses of mercy that hopefully... You won't go out the same way as you come in. And I thank God for the hope that's in this place. And even the greater hope for God being able to do exceeding abundantly beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. And I want to say to you this morning, I definitely, if you feel I'm stuck, I could look back on my life 20 years ago and the same issues that were hitting me and confronting me then seem to be hanging around, maybe not to the same degree, but they're still there. The, the, the aspect of being fearful to be able to share my faith, the aspect of being able to be bold in certain circumstances, the aspect of a fear that comes upon me when there's a decision to be made and I put it off and put it off, maybe even dreams, dreams of... of uh, I, can, I can remember when... Karen, my wife, was leaving Cheryl off to uni for to do um, Strand Millis, I think it was, to do her teaching. And as she left her off in the car, she looked around and she thought to herself, wouldn't it be great to come here and to study? And she left to go into nursing, but she didn't have any significant exams. And just, that was all. That was all just, just, it was hardly even what you would recognize a prayer. It was more a desire. And suddenly a door opened up for her to get access. Suddenly she did that. She got her diploma. And again, suddenly, she wanted to go into Queens and, and study English language but the the door opened up for her that the only thing that she could do was English lit and she got into English literature and she I mean like me just secondary school education and she fell in love with Shakespeare and she graduated with a 2-1 And that was just out of a desire. I can, I can, don't you tell your mother, Cheryl, that I talked about this this morning. <laughs> Cut that out of any recording. But the reality of it is, God does not want you to be stuck. And the devil wants to keep you where you are with unfulfilled potential. I believe that God said to him, I believe that Jesus said to this guy that was there 38 years, come on, Bill. You know what you need to do. The first thing you need to do is not sit here stewing and looking at people that have folk around him and recognizing if I could just have 
some loyal friends that would get me down to there, then everything would be brilliant. That would be it. And Jesus said, you know what you need to do? You need to let them go. And you need to recognize that I'm here. And when you've got me, you've got all the friends in the world that you will ever need. And here's the brilliant thing. I'm not going to fed up with you. After 10 minutes or 10 years. I'm not going to fed up with you if you grumble too much about it's not happening and people just get fed up with you. Because I'm here. And I'm not going away. And it says here, rise, take up your bed, and walk. I believe that when he had repented of that, when he had got over himself, when he recognized that, that it's not about them, it's not about the people that I've got a number of, it's not about that, it's about finding God. That day he found Jesus and when he found Jesus, he found everything. He became unstuck. He became that he was able to take up his bed. He was able to walk. I love that phrase. And immediately the man was made well. And we tend to think that he was made well without anything happening. There was an immediately came into his life when he recognized what he was holding on to was the wrong thing. What he was grasping on to was everything that he needed. And suddenly strength came into his legs and he began to walk. And it happened. It happened. So if God asks something that seems obvious, it's because something that's not obvious is going on. And when God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because Adam, that God didn't know the answer. It was because he wanted to know if Adam knew the answer. So I think when Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? He's trying to find out, okay, Bill, or whatever his name was, what has this place done to you? You come in 38 years ago with a degree of expectancy. That's gone, long gone. And it's gone because there were issues that got into your heart with people that had let you down, people that had deserted you. And Jesus is saying, it's not about them. It's about you. It's about you. And what you need to do. So let's be honest. I don't believe there is anyone here this morning that hasn't been stuck at one time or another. And you might still be stuck. There's a verse in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We know it in the King James Version, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is what the NLT says. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I love that part. There is something in you 
That is glorious that you're not walking in. It's the standard that God has for your life. And for most of us, we're missing it. It's, it's something that is not just saying a prayer, getting saved, and recognizing, well, heaven awaits me, and I'll just hopefully get through, pay the bills, escape major sickness, get on with life, and hopefully that's it. You know, no, that's not what he's talking about. There's a glorious standard that God has saved you into that he is calling you to walk in. And that glorious standard is, is what you were created for, what he made you for, what he destined you for. When King Charles sat on that throne, he knew 74 years he was waiting for it. And he knew that was his destiny. You and I are in little. Now hear what I'm saying and don't pick up what I'm not saying. You and I are in little. Our sins accepted what God is in large. I'm not saying that we're all little gods. I'm just simply saying this here. We were made in God's image, right? And we are in little form. Our sins accepted what God is in large. Being made in his image, we have within us the capacity to know him. In our sins, we lack only the power. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kingship to God and it leaps in joyous recognition. Those are the words of A.W. Tozer. When we connect with him, recognizing that we, we weren't created just to get to heaven and in the process of getting there, try and win some people to Jesus. That's not it. That's only a tiny, tiny part of it. The major part of it is recognizing that God created us to reach his glorious standard. Something that is the purpose that he created us for. knowing him intimately. Listen, here's some of the verses of Scripture that, you see, the Bible assumes as a self-evident fact, this is the Bible, the Word of God assumes as a self-evident fact that men can know God with at least the same degree of intimacy and immediacy as they know any other person or thing that comes within the field of their experience. Listen to what some of us verses of Scripture say. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We go over that, we memorize it, it's easy to do it, but we don't fully understand. What does it mean to taste God? You see, we're born into this world 
What, what time? Huh? We are born into this world. And when we waken up in the morning, we are awake to what our five senses tells us. Wake up cold. It's telling us that. We wake up, um, as it were, with a smell. It means, ladies, your husbands have got fry on. Okay? Cooking breakfast. But we waken up each day to our five senses. And it's those five senses that allow us to communicate with the world. The moment that we come into and are born into the kingdom of God, there are other senses that become alive. Other senses. And you know, you've got to expand them. They don't just come as naturally. You've got to develop them. And you develop them by faith. And you can have even more of a confidence. David, King David had it when he recognized that he was in a bad place and he could be stuck there. He could be stuck there until his men stoned him. That was these guys that were loyal to him just turned on him like that. And, and literally he inquired of the Lord and God, he communicated back and forward. And he said to him, David, my purpose for your life is that you're not stuck here, but you pursue those guys. I will reveal things as you go. You'll not know the whole picture. Remember, he met the wounded guy that was left for dead, and he got him, and he ministered into his life, and he told him where they were, and he brought them. And God reveals certain things. It's just getting moving. It's just moving in the direction. Paul, God said to him, pursue you will surely overtake them and you will definitely recover all. And it's getting that. So God says, I have senses that once you were birthed into the kingdom of God, it's your privilege, it's your access to get into those there. And just with this, I'm going to finish. So he says this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then, goes on to say, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces. There's a sense. And then he says, my sheep hear my voice. It's not with these ears. It's with the eyes and ears of faith that we, we and we can see it. Those are just four of the countless such passages from the word of God and more important than any proof text is the fact that the whole of scripture is toward disbelief, tasting and seeing, developing your senses in God. We've developed our five senses. We know them. Sometimes we can lose them. They're not just as, as when sickness comes. Sometimes the ability to communicate is lost. Sometimes... As you get older, your, your ability to hear is diminished. Sometimes, you know, the things that you, you, you taste. You know, we're born with all of those things that are fresh. So surely we should be born again and those things should be even more intensive. You know, no child, you know, I, I, when I used to love in Christmas, Cheryl would have had all the kids and they all had Superman costumes on or Batman costumes they all aspire to be something 
That is something out of this world. Their imagination can Nobody puts on, please, if there's any refuge collectors here, forgive me for saying this, but no kid wants a bin man's uniform for Christmas. Nobody wants something that is literally not. They want something of superhero status because God put that in them. Sometimes school and sometimes life can knock that out of them. But when you get born again, God wants to restore all of that to you. I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. Never forget that. Never forget that. Let me say, if God has destined for you as a mom to bring up your children in the admonition and ways of the Lord, that's as glorious a fulfillment as being prime minister. So it's not about some sort of, it's about fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. I want us just this morning, just as we, I remember one of the things that, that, that happened when we had one of our holidays, I told you about when I was young, we went to Morecam. When our kids were young, we seemed to have less money than what my parents had, so we took them to Port Stewart. My Port Stewart's a good place. It's a brilliant place. And I remember them playing out there, and we would have, even when it was raining, you're going to the beach today, and you're going to enjoy it. And there were days that they went in their water boots, and I can remember, I don't know whether it was Cheryl or whether it was Leanne, but they'd waded out in their wee red water boots out into the sea a wee bit, just a few inches. And they were standing there watching the water as it almost came up to pour down their boots. And all I heard was, Daddy, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And I waited out just a wee bit. And what had happened, of course, was the wet sand had got right down and they couldn't move. They tried to move and they couldn't move. And I lifted them up and left behind the water boots. The water boots stayed there. And you know what that's saying? It's not you that's stuck. It's the thing that you're standing in is stuck. The issues that, that you know, what is it that's holding you back? Just step out of it. It's not you. Let's stand, shall we? Let's stand, maybe. In. I just want to pray this morning just as um, Chris leads us. And then I know there's opportunity for prayer afterwards as well. The, the, the team will do that. But I just want to, I just want, you know, if you, well, just let's, let's keep our heads bowed. And I'm not going to look even.